0: Would you please find Mark chapter 10 in your copy of the scriptures? Mark 10. This section that we're going to study together this morning I believe is a fitting ending to this much larger section on discipleship that we've been studying for quite a few weeks now. Chapters 8 through 10 give us some instructions for Jesus' disciples. What does it mean to be a disciple? What does that look like? This story is an amazing one of healing and of salvation. And even though it's going to be familiar to many or maybe all of you, I have really enjoyed studying it this week. Because I think there's a lot more here than we normally get just reading, yeah, I know that. I pray that the Lord will open our eyes this morning, and that he'll help me to share some of what I've found as I've studied it. This is the second healing of a blind person recorded by Mark. The first one was back in chapter 8, verses 22 to 26. It is also the last healing miracle that is recorded in the gospel of Mark. So this larger section may be the biggest Markan sandwich. I don't know if you remember we've talked about that, but the idea that he'll introduce something and then he'll tell something else and then he'll come back to it. This may be the biggest one in the whole book because it's gone on for chapters 8, 9, and 10, but it is bound by, it has bookends of the first healing of someone who was blind and then this healing of blind Bartimaeus. Why? Why? Why did he structure it that way? Well, I believe that Mark and ultimately the Holy Spirit wanted us to see these events in the greater context of the blindness of Jesus' disciples, spiritual blindness. I think that's what he's showing us, that whether we're talking about James and John in particular or all 12 disciples or the rich young ruler, that there's been a lot of spiritual blindness going on that we've read about and why he keeps teaching about what discipleship is. So I hope we'll see that today, and, and also that the Holy Spirit would reveal to us any blindness of our own, any of us who need our eyes opened this morning. I'm going to read these verses. I welcome you to follow along. In fact, I would like you to stand, please, as I read for us Mark 10, starting in verse 46. Then they came to Jericho, and as they went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude... Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Would you pray with me? Our Lord and God, you are good. You are kind. You are gracious. You who created the universe were willing to stop what you were doing and pay attention to a blind beggar Oh Lord, would you pour life into this passage today? You have said that your word is living and powerful and sharp and piercing. And that's what I'm asking for this morning. That your word would accomplish its purposes in our hearts. Lord, if there's anyone hearing this this morning, who has never cried out to you for salvation. Please, may this be the day for any of us who are experiencing any form of spiritual blindness. Open our eyes, Lord, that we would see you. Ask for the help of your Holy Spirit. that you would teach this passage this morning through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I have four very basic ideas out of these, I think it's seven verses. First main point, Bartimaeus knew he was blind. That's verse 46. Number two, Bartimaeus believed Jesus was the Messiah. And that's in verses 47 and 48. Number three, Bartimaeus believed Jesus could and would help him. That's verses 47 to 50 when it overlaps with the second point. And then last, Bartimaeus followed Jesus. That's verse 52. And you'll see all of those again. And if you have trouble spelling Bartimaeus like I do, you can just call him Bart. That's okay. First point is that Bartimaeus knew he was blind. Now, you may be wondering, Bob, that's so obvious. He's called blind Bartimaeus. Why do we need to stop and talk about that he knew he was blind? Well, this passage is about more than physical blindness. This passage is about physical blindness and spiritual blindness. And I doubt there are many people in the world who are physically blind who don't know it. But there are many people in the world who are spiritually blind, and they don't know it. And I think it's worth mentioning that he was blind, and he knew he was blind. Look at verse 46. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho, speaking of Jesus, with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. Jericho is about 15 miles northeast of Jerusalem. It's about five miles from the Jordan River. If it sounds familiar, that's because you probably know the story from the Old Testament in which Joshua and the children of Israel marched around the walls of Jericho and they came down after seven days. This is that same city. In fact, that ancient city had been rebuilt to some extent, but it had been established by Herod the Great as the home of his winter palace. It was a very nice area. It was a resort city built by Herod the Great. This is the only recorded visit of Jesus to Jericho. Now, he probably went to Jericho or went through Jericho multiple times because it was a main route. Anybody coming from the north would typically come through Jericho on the way to Jerusalem. It was a crossroads. So he probably was there more than this one time, but this is the only time the scriptures mentioned that he was there. And by the way, this healing of the blind man, Bartimaeus, isn't the only thing that happened while he was there. Because if we compare this to the other gospels, Luke tells us about a man of short stature named Zacchaeus. That was Jericho. And As you study this, if you look online or look at different commentaries, you may run into some issues with this passage because Matthew tells us there were two blind men. And Luke tells us instead of as he went out of Jericho, it says as he's coming into Jericho. So what do we do with this? People who are critics of the Bible will say, see, it's wrong. There are errors. So what are we going to do with that? I'm going to, for sake of time, I'm just going to read to you what the Bible knowledge commentary says about that. Matthew mentioned two blind men, and Luke placed the incident at Jesus' approach to Jericho instead of his exit. Probably two blind men were involved, but Mark and Luke focused on one, perhaps the more vocal or well-known. Also, there were two Jerichos, an old city, that would be the one where the walls came tumbling down, and a new city, the one that Herod the Great had built. And the healings could have occurred as the crowd was leaving old Israelite Jericho and coming into the new Herodian, Jericho. So we know where we are. We're in Jericho. That's where the story is set. And he was going out of Jericho, according to Mark. And there's a blind man there, blind Bartimaeus. And as we looked at our scripture reading, we talked about this. Being able to give sight to the blind was something exclusive to the Messiah. As you look at the Old Testament, you will not find miracles. I've enjoyed reading through Elijah and Elisha. That's where I am right now in the Old Testament. And I, I like those stories, the, the amazing things that God did through them. But you're not going to read that Elijah or Elisha or Samuel or anyone else from the Old Testament opened the eyes of the blind. It hadn't been done. Instead, that was something that the Messiah would do. And in our scripture reading, we read this verse, Luke 7, Jesus answered and said to them, Go tell John the things you have seen and heard, That the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. So six things, and what's the first one? I underlined it there on the screen. The blind see. That is something that only the Messiah could do, the promised one, the prophet who was to come. So he's blind, and he has a name given that's a little bit unusual because very few of the people Jesus healed do we know their name. We know of Malchus, we know of Lazarus, We know of Bartimaeus. And it says, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. Well, we know that that prefix, bar, just means son of. You may remember from Matthew, we read of, Blessed are you, Simon bar Jonah. Who's that? That's Peter. Simon, son of Jonah, son of John. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So in this case, Bartimaeus wasn't just his title, son of Timaeus. It seems like it's the name he went by, because maybe some of you have a junior in your family, and occasionally you'll come across a junior who's called Junior. It's that idea. So he's Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. And what is he doing? He is begging. Blindness was fairly common back in that time and in that place. And those who were blind, since it was a largely agricultural society, most of them had to beg. They had no livelihood. In order to sustain themselves at all, they had to beg. And he, it's all about location, right? He picked a good location. Because what's going on? The Passover is coming. And many, many, many people are passing this way because I just told you that it's a crossroads. People who are coming from the north generally have to come through Jericho on their ascent to Jerusalem. So he situated himself in a good spot. There are many people who are coming for the Passover. Frankly, some of them may have a little bit of a guilty conscience and there's this guy here. Oh, yes, I should give to the poor. I'll just pretend I've been doing this all along. So he's probably doing pretty well in the spot that he's chosen and he's there as a blind beggar. Second point, Bartimaeus believed Jesus was the Messiah. Verse 47, and when He heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. First off, how did he know that? Somebody would have said it. Remember, he's blind. He's entirely dependent on what he can hear or feel. And perhaps he could tell there was a bigger swell in the crowd or he heard commotion. And he may have asked somebody, what's going on? And somebody said, it's Jesus of Nazareth. He's coming through. And in that moment, he made a decision. His decision was, it's now or never. Never. Perhaps he had heard that Jesus healed, that he worked miracles. Perhaps he'd even heard that Jesus had healed someone who was blind. And what does he do? When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And if y'all think I mean too loud saying that, cry out here, I'm, I'm not doing it justice because it means scream or shriek. This word has been used five times previously in Mark's gospel, and it's been used by people who were demon possessed or the demons themselves who are crying out for fear that Jesus is going to do something with them. So this isn't just, Jesus over here, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He wants to be heard, he wants Jesus to help him. Now he's calling him something on purpose. And what he's calling him is son of David. Son of David is a messianic title. We're not going to go there, but if you want to write it down and look at it later, 2 Samuel 7 is what we commonly call the Davidic covenant. It's where God promised to David. What did David want to do? He wanted to build a house, a house for the Lord. And David said, uh, God said, David, it's good that that's in your heart. I don't, didn't ask you to do that, but here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to establish your line. Someone from your descendants will always be king. That's the Messiah. That's Jesus. So he is declaring that Jesus of Nazareth is Jesus, the son of David. Jesus, Old Testament name Joshua, that's the Hebrew. Very common name at that time. There were many people, boys, men, running around by the name Jesus or Joshua, Yeshua, But this one, he believed, was the son of David. This one is the Messiah. This is the promised one. This is the one we've been waiting for. Someone once asked Helen Keller, isn't it terrible to be blind? And her response was, better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and see nothing. Because sight and vision are different things. Eyesight is amazing. It is a gift from God that somehow light can come in this eyeball and my brain can interpret it as something that I can see and remember. But that's different from being able to tell what's going on, being able to discern what the situation is. And even though Bartimaeus was blind, he could see nothing through his eyes. He had spiritual vision to know that this Jesus of Nazareth, this is the Son of David. This is the promised one, the Messiah. Most of the people in the crowds around him couldn't see what he saw by faith. He didn't have eyesight, but he said he had insight. He did not have physical vision, he had spiritual vision. So, in addition to knowing that he was blind, because he did, and believing that Jesus was the Messiah, Bartimaeus further believed that Jesus could and would help him. Because what is he crying? Jesus, son of David, what? Have mercy on me. What type of person is going to ask for mercy? Someone who's humble. Someone who recognizes his need. Someone who's asking for help. Mercy itself is not getting what I deserve. What do we all deserve? All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So what do we deserve? The wages of sin is death. Spiritual separation from God forever. He's asking for God's faithfulness, God's forgiveness, God's acceptance. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Someone suggested that he was appealing to Jesus because of what he knew of God's character from the Psalms, a God who cares for the poor and for the brokenhearted. What was he acknowledging? I need help. Jesus, Son of David, help me. Have mercy on me. Have pity on me. Have compassion toward me. Show love to me. That's what he's asking. Not because of what he could offer. What have we seen in this larger passage? That in order to come to Jesus, in order to be part of the kingdom, we have to come with the faith of a child. Come as a child, simply. Not because I have anything to offer. He didn't say, Jesus, you get over here right now. I've done many good deeds for you. You need to do this for me. You need to heal me and give me my vision. He didn't say, I have all the money in the world. I have done so well with begging that I'm a rich man and I'm going to bless you, Jesus, if you help me. He didn't have that. He couldn't do anything for himself. So he was crying out for help. He was crying out for mercy. Verse 48. We don't know here whether it was the disciples hushing him or the people standing around him. I think it was probably the people near him. But verse 48 says, then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried all the more. Don't you like that? He's persistent. They said, shh, shut up. He doesn't want to hear from you. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He cried out all the more. And the verb tense is he just keeps crying. He keeps crying. He keeps crying out, shouting, shrieking, asking. And then something amazing happened. The sun stood still. Because some of you know the Old Testament. You know about the story of Joshua and the Gibeonites. And the sons, I'm not talking about the S-U-N. I'm talking about the S-O-N stood still. And the way we have it translated in English, whether I read it in Matthew, Mark, or Luke, it all says the same thing. He stood still. Now let's get into the context of our story. Where's Jesus going? Jerusalem. This journey started weeks before in Caesarea Caesarea Philippi. He has been on his way. And last week we saw that he was out in front of his disciples, And he was leading the way, and he seemed, at least temporarily, to be walking alone. And he was resolute. He was serious. I am going to Jerusalem. He's already told his disciples, by the time we get through the passage last week, he's told them three times now, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed. I'm going to be turned over to the Gentiles. I'm going to be mocked, scourged, spat upon. I'm going to be crucified. But I'm going to rise again the third day. That's what's going on. Do you think this man has a mission? Yes. Do you think he's serious about it? Yes. And yet, the one who has come from God and will go back to God, the one who has received all glory from his Father, all power, the one who is on a mission literally to save the world, here's this guy who's over here on the side of the road, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he stops. There's a whole caravan of people who are following Jesus and walking crowds of people. And kind of like when the woman with the issue of blood came, everything just stopped. The people were trying to get him, shut up, be quiet. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the son stood still because he heard the cry Someone who's asking for mercy. Jesus commanded him to be called. Another reference to Jericho in the New Testament, if you read in Luke, a familiar story, the Good Samaritan. Where did that take place? On the road between Jericho and Jerusalem. Our Lord Our Savior did not pass by on the other side. He stopped and he commanded this guy to be called. Bring him. I'm going to help him. So he commanded him to be called. Why? Do you remember what we read last week? Look back at it. I'm looking at verse 45. For even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many in the midst of going to give his life a ransom for many He is stopping to serve this one who has nothing to offer this one. Everyone else would ignore Because what was the mentality of the day? Think of the man who was born blind in John 9 Who sinned this man or his parents somebody sinned? He has a disability. He's blind. Somebody must have sinned here. Who was it? That's their focus and what is Jesus focus on this man and his life and his heart. Our Lord's ear was open to this poor man's cry. He heard it above all the crowd. Those of you who are parents, at least in my own experience, that newborn makes the slightest peep and the mom who's been fast asleep, dead to the world, is all of a sudden awake. That's Jesus. And you know what's amazing? Is that there are hundreds and thousands and probably millions of people who are crying out to him at any moment and he hears our cries for mercy. He hears them all simultaneously. (laughs) What to us would be chaos. He hears through the noise our cries. And what does the crowd tell him? I'd love to know if it was the same people. I'd love to know if it was the same people because they were telling him, shh, be quiet. He doesn't want to hear from you. He doesn't want to help you. He doesn't have time for you. And now they're saying, be of good cheer. The same people who were telling him to shut up are now telling him to cheer up and get up and come to Jesus. And somebody had to have let him. Who was that? Was it one of the disciples? Was it his friend? Was it his relative? I don't know. We're still in this third point, folks. Bartimaeus believed Jesus could and would help him. Normally, we would just read right through, kind of blow by verse 50, but I want to spend some time in it. And throwing aside his garment, he rose, or one translation says, jumped up, sprang up, and came to Jesus, you say, so what? Well, his garment would have been his cloak, his coat, his outer garment. And for him, it would have been his covering at night. It's what kept him warm. Maybe if it was raining, he could pull it up over him. So this is his comfort, his shelter. It may have been the only earthly possession he owned. But how was he using it? Well, if you see someone who's maybe playing a guitar, has a guitar case open in front of him, that may be what he was doing with his cloak, that it's there to collect the money. Because what is he doing? His livelihood is begging. It's whatever he can take in each day is what's going to buy his food. And if he doesn't get anything, he's not going to eat. So this represented his protection. It represented his security. It may have been his only possession. And it represented his livelihood. And yes, if you read study Bibles and commentary, some people will just say it, it would have been in his way. He might have tripped over it if he took it with him. Maybe I think that's a valid point. But I think there's more to it than that. First question. Would you expect a blind man to leave anything behind? How's he going to find it? If he leaves it back here in order to be led to Jesus, how's he going to find that thing? There's a crowd of people. He's blind. Who's going to help him find his cloak? If I were a blind person, I would keep stuff with me. Because if it's out of reach, I'll never find it again. He's not worried about that. If it was his only worldly possession, he's very different from the rich young ruler because the rich young ruler went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. This man has nothing. And perhaps the only thing he has, he's leaving. This is my personal belief. I don't mean to read into the text. But after studying this this week, I believe he left his outer garment because he didn't think he was going to come back to begging, because he wasn't going to come back blind. He believed that Jesus could and would help him. He wasn't planning to come back to it. He wasn't planning to need it any longer, because he wasn't going to be begging, because he wasn't going to be blind. I think he believed with all his heart that his days of blindness and begging were over. The passage continues, verse 51. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? Well, duh. What do you suppose he wants you to do? Why is Jesus asking that? Does Jesus need the information? No. Jesus knew that Bartimaeus was blind. Bartimaeus knew Bartimaeus was blind. But Jesus wanted Bartimaeus to say out loud that he was blind to acknowledge his need, to be specific. Folks, a few minutes ago I said he hears our cries. He's listening. The God of the universe can hear all of our cries for mercy all at the same time. That's not a problem for him. But we need to be specific. If Bartimaeus had just said, could you bless me? He might have gone away blind. Hopefully not. We have a merciful Loving God. But he was specific. He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Give me my sight. Now, I said Lord right there because some of your translations say Lord. But it's a little more than that. Some of your translations, like the one I'm reading from, says Rabboni. Well, what on earth is that? It's like rabbi, but it's a more intense form of rabbi. It's emphatic. It's personal. It's my Lord and my master. The translation I heard this week that I love the best is my precious master, my tender, my sweet master, my master. See, there's a difference between him shouting from the curbside, Jesus, son of David. He he believes he's the Messiah. But knowing that Jesus is God is different from knowing that Jesus is my Savior. He's mine. I have a personal relationship with him. That's what this word means. There's only one other time in the Gospels this word is used. It's in John chapter 20, and we read it as part of our sermon, or at least our scripture reading back on Easter, because it's Mary Magdalene and she's there in the garden and Jesus isn't there, the body's not there and she doesn't know where he's been taken and she thinks the person standing behind her is the gardener and she says, tell me where you've taken him that I may get him I want to care for his body to show respect to, to do the burial rites and what does he say to her? One word Mary, and she knows his voice, and she responds right then, Rabboni, and grabs his feet, my Savior, my Lord, my Master, my Teacher, that's this word. The guy hadn't even met Jesus until this moment. The guy had never seen Jesus The eyes of faith. And with those, he calls him my Savior, my teacher, my master, that I may receive my sight. He believed Jesus could and would heal him, and Jesus did. Verse 52. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight, and followed Jesus on the road. Now, Jesus gave him permission, go your way. Go on. So what way is he going to choose? We get to see that by the end of the verse. He says, your faith has made you well. Literally, your faith has saved you. What's this saying? It's saying that he was spiritually healed at the same time he was physically healed. Why? Why? Because he expressed faith in God. He expressed faith in Jesus as his rescuer, as his healer. I appreciated what Daniel Aiken put in his commentary. Jesus was not saying that the man had earned anything. Jesus isn't saying, way to go, good faith, I'm going to heal you because of that that's not how it works. Here's how he put it. Grace is the divine hand that extends healing. That's God's grace. Faith is the human hand that reaches out and receives it. And the object of our faith is crucial. It matters. It's not just having faith in my faith. It's not just having faith in the universe to do what it's going to do. It's having faith in a person, Jesus, who is the Messiah. And that's what this man had. And that's why I believe he was absolutely spiritually saved in addition to receiving his sight. He's getting physical and spiritual healing all at the same time. I think this verse from Psalm 34 really summarizes what we're seeing here. Psalm 34, 6. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. What was this man's trouble? He was blind. He was a beggar. But much more importantly, he was a sinner like all of us. And he came to Jesus and said, have mercy on me. Give me my sight. And immediately, there's Mark's favorite word, immediately he received his sight. Think of that. At the beginning of the sentence, he's blind. At the end of the sentence, he sees for the first time ever and what does he see what is before him when he sees the first thing he has ever seen Jesus the face of Jesus maybe you know the name Fanny Crosby she's considered by many to be perhaps the greatest christian hymn writer certainly english hymns she wrote over 8500 of them and you say well i don't know any of them i think you do particularly if you've grown up in in church, we sang Blessed Assurance this morning. To God be the glory, rescue the perishing, praise him, praise him, Jesus, our blessed redeemer, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Tell me the story of Jesus, my savior first of all, near the cross, pass me not, O gentle savior, close to thee. Hopefully you know one or two of those. Back in school, I had to learn all of them. She wrote many, many texts. But here's the thing, she was blind, Here's another thing. She wasn't born blind. She had some sort of cold, some sort of eye issue when she was six weeks old, and the country doctor who came, he was a substitute for the normal doctor, came and decided the best thing to do was to make a mustard plaster and put that on her eyes. And the heat of that burned her so badly that she never saw anything, didn't remember seeing anything. Never saw anything again. And obviously, if you're blind, I'm sure it comes up frequently about her disability And as an adult, she once turned the question to somebody else. Do you know that if at birth I had been able to make one request of my creator, it would have been that I should have been born blind? What a crazy thing to say. What was she thinking? She said, because when I get to heaven, the first face I will ever see is Jesus. The first face I will ever see is Jesus. That's what Bartimaeus got to see. The first person he ever saw, the first object he ever saw was the face of Jesus. We're almost at the end, and there's one last point here from verse 52. It's that Bartimaeus followed Jesus. It says, and followed Jesus on the road. So what was the way he chose when Jesus said, go your way? He wanted to go Jesus' way. He wanted to follow. What does that really mean? He became a disciple. He was a follower of the king. So the first sight he ever beheld was Jesus. And he followed the disciples on the way. So I don't know. Again, I'm not trying to add to Scripture, but it's quite possible that as a follower of Jesus headed in Jerusalem for Passion Week... He saw Jesus crucified. He could have been one of the additional disciples in the upper room when Jesus appeared in their midst. Or any time in that 40-day period, he could have seen the risen Christ with his new eyesight. He became a follower of Jesus. And isn't that what this entire section has been about? What does it take to be a follower of Jesus? You have to come to him with childlike faith, with nothing of your own to offer. You have to be willing to give up all of the material possessions that entangle us. You have to know that persecution is coming because you're going to have so many blessings, he promised the disciples. Things that you give up for me, I will give you so much more, a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come, eternal fellowship with me. But there will be persecutions. That's what it's like to be a disciple. He said, sign me up. I'm following you. I'm with you, Jesus, son of David. We don't know what happened to Bartimaeus. We have no biblical record. Church history, tradition, tells us that this man became a pillar of the church there in Jerusalem. I don't know. The fact that Mark included his name in his gospel, we think this was written perhaps to Rome. It was under the instruction of Peter that people either in Rome or Jerusalem or both would have known this person. Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, Jr. What have we said this morning? Bartimaeus knew he was blind. He believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He believed that Jesus could and would help him, and he chose to follow Jesus. So if I could put all this together, what we've looked at in Mark chapter 10. The rich young ruler pursued money. James and John pursued power. But the difference, and in my opinion, the model disciple for all of us, is Bartimaeus because he pursued Jesus. He cried out to him, he asked him for mercy, He asked him to receive his sight, and how did he respond when he was healed, when he was saved? He followed him. became his disciple. What about you this morning? Are you spiritually blind? Are you willing to cry out to Jesus, the one and only one who can save you, can give you spiritual sight, can give you eternal life? Believer, how's your spiritual vision this morning? Is there any sin in your life that's causing blindness? Is there any disbelief in your life that's causing blindness? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, you are here. Your spirit is here in our midst. You've given us this passage and you have spoken through it this morning. And even as your Holy Spirit has taught it to us, we ask that he would apply it to us. Lord, there may be someone here or someone watching online who has never called out to you. We know that the one who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what Bartimaeus did. May anyone who has not done that do it this morning. Lord, we know that your disciples, the 12, were following with you. They had heard your teaching about your death and resurrection. They had heard your teaching on what it means to be a disciple. And yet, in many ways, they were still spiritually blind. Father, would you give us spiritual vision this morning? That the scales from our eyes would fall away. That we would obey and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.